You're listening to the Greeks Gridiron live with Ethan Haristadulu. Welcome back to another episode of the Greeks Gridiron, everybody. I am Ethan Haristadulu. It is May 10th, 2021 on a Monday. Uh, very, very slow, slow, slow time in the NFL right now. There's literally nothing going on. I'm scratching together stuff for us to talk about as we go through the dog days of the NFL offseason. Uh, the draft is behind us. Um, you know, teams, some teams are starting to do in-person workouts, things like that, voluntary, voluntary workouts, excuse me, as like the NFL and NFLPA uh, continue to sort of butt heads on what they should and should not be doing for this NFL offseason and the ones going forward. We'll get into that a little bit later as well. Uh, but... First things first, before we get everything rolling here, I will bring in my guest host for the day. Eli Bieberman is joining in on the show. Welcome, Eli. How are we doing? Excited to be here. Excited to talk about Dem Cowboys today. A lot of fun stuff we got going on today. We do. We do. Um, so, again, not a, not a ton of news. We're doing the Cowboys draft grade a little bit later through the show. Uh, but first thing, we'll kind of just knock out some of the more important-ish things that we have going on. But before we do that, the NFL schedule releases on Wednesday. So two days from now, 8 p.m. Eastern time on the NFL Network. For those of you that are interested in watching that, you can watch it there. Pretty exciting stuff because a lot of really good matchups, I think, are being put together. We we have 17 games now to watch for every single team as opposed to the normal 16 we've been used to for the last some odd years now. So with that, my question for you all today, what matchup are you most excited about for your favorite team? I'll hand this question over to Eli first. I'll let him give us an answer. What are you feeling for your New England Patriots? Yeah, obviously the Patriots, uh, very competitive division, the AFC East. Buffalo is going to be probably the second best team in the AFC beyond Kansas City, so they're going to be a tough team. Uh, then Miami, much improved, was went ten and six last year and got a lot better. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to watch those two matchups. But the matchup I have circled could be a really interesting one. It's not really a, a highbrow versus highbrow kind of matchup. Uh, I'm excited to see Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars uh, play the Patriots this year. You could see Lawrence and Mac Jones going up going up against each other. Obviously, Alabama and Clemson were two became as recently become a really big time rivalry. So I'm interested to see that come into the NFL. I'm interested to see how Mac Jones handles the NFL as well as how Trevor Lawrence does. Uh, Trevor Lawrence obviously is on a much worse team than Mac Jones is going into a more a situation where they need a lot more growth before they're ready to compete. But it's going to be interesting to watch that matchup. Definitely. I agree. That's actually one of those games that I hope is a little bit later in the year, because if it ends up being later in the year, you really get that opportunity to maybe see Trevor Lawrence versus Mac Jones. So hoping that one's pushed out like past like the double digits through the weeks, maybe like week 11, 12, 13. I almost feel like if the NFL is keeping anything in mind about the NFL draft, they might have tried to set that game up a little bit later in the year, because it almost seems like we might end up in a position where if Cam Newton's not playing well, the first handful of weeks, you're going to end up seeing uh, Mac Jones slid into that QB one spot and a, a Mac Jones versus Trevor Lawrence in the NFL after uh, seeing those two colleges go, go out at it the last handful of years, I think would be really exciting for me. I think uh, for, I was looking at the games that the Colts potentially have on the, uh, the slate for the year and two, the, the two that really stuck out to me are going to be the Colts versus the bills, which is obviously a wild card weekend playoff rematch. You know, the Colts were 
they were some people argued the better team in that game and ultimately it just came down to Philip Rivers just not being able to get it done he didn't have the juice in the tank to really finish that game um so I would be excited to see how that goes with Carson Wentz hopefully rejuvenated and ready to go under uh Frank Reich and the Indianapolis Colts uh the other game that I have penned on there that I, I'm really excited for is Tom Brady's gonna renew his rivalry with Indianapolis obviously the the days of Peyton Manning and Brady are gone but um there is that history that was there with Brady and the Colts obviously we all know deflate gate and everything else in between so I'll leave that for what it is but um I'm excited to see Brady and the Colts go head to head uh that'll be a really interesting matchup for me again obviously hoping that Carson Wentz ends up living up to the hype that has been brought in Indianapolis you know thinking back to his MVP season and whatnot so that's kind of what I'm looking at I'm very curious to see what you guys think so fire down the comment section below what matchup are you most excited for and what week are you hoping it to be in are you hoping it to be early later in the season you let me know um as far as news goes this is kind of the big the big announcement it was kind of like it was being hinted at and people were kind of expecting it as we rolled through the uh uh the last couple of weeks here tim tebow at 33 years old is switching over to tight end teams begged him to switch over to the tight end position back, uh, you know, a handful of years ago. Um, what was it? His last snap actually played was in 2012 for the Jets. Uh, but his the last, I guess, like year he was in the league was 2015 with the Eagles. But his last actual snap in live action was 2012. That's almost 10 years ago. I can't even believe that. Like saying that out of my mouth is crazy that Tim Tebow was in the league that long ago playing football. It doesn't feel that long ago that he was uh, upsetting the Steelers in the playoffs. Um I'm, I, I, it, the internet seems to be kind of like confused by this. Um, a lot of people that I were posting about it were saying things like, you know, there's plenty of tight ends in the free agency pool that, you know, are actually ready to go and play. Like, why are you signing a 33 year old guy? I, I don't know. I, I think like this is kind of good. Like it's publicity for Jacksonville. Uh, and that's about as far as I can think of it. I really don't know how well Tim Tebow's going to do. He might not even be on the roster come week one, if you really think about it. I mean, you never really know with how things in the NFL work. This could just be like a tryout type of thing where he's going to be on the practice squad or even just like the you know the 90-man roster they have going into like the preseason but may not even end up being there. What do you think, Eli? Very weird, 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 weird signing. Yeah, uh, obviously um... – their head coach and Tim Tebow have a really good relationship that goes back a while. Urban mm-hmm. Meyer was obviously his coach when he won a Heisman, a national championship. So they've been good friends for a while. Uh, so I think that plays a huge part in it. Also, Tim Tebow has a, a, a plus leadership skills. So I think that's another thing. Uh, maybe Urban Meyer is hoping that rubs off on Trevor Lawrence. Uh, they get a chance to be in the locker room together. Um, that could be a good learning experience, or learning experience, even though, Tebow never had that success at quarterback in the NFL that he did in college. Um, still high quality guy, high quality leader. Good to have in the locker room. Not sure if he makes the roster. Um, given his work ethic, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, obviously, the switch to tight end was one that was recommended to him a while ago. He didn't want to do it. He wanted to stay at quarterback, uh, which is in turn why he ended up turning to baseball because nobody would sign him as a quarterback. So I think it's interesting. Um, really good guy. Wish him the best. Um, everywhere he's gone, he's succeeded in some capacity. But you wish him the best. Um, hope for the best. But yeah, going but, off that and other. Oh no, I was gonna say that that leadership thing that you mentioned is actually a really good point. That wasn't even something that like crossed my mind. I guess he is a he's a fantastic leader to have in such a like what looks like it's gonna be a really young locker room. Yeah. Um, it's going to be an extremely young locker room, a team that's several years away from being legitimately competitive for even the playoffs. But having him in there could be great. But 
another great signing I saw today, um, something that's going to hit home for you, your Indianapolis Colts picked up Eric Fisher, brought in a left tackle. Eric Fisher's a former pro bowler, didn't have the greatest year in Kansas City, but has a really good track record. They also had a lot of offensive line issues in general in Kansas City uh, last year, so that wasn't all on Eric Fisher's fault. Tough mm-hmm. to block somebody when people are just running right through the rest of your uh, defense, uh, your offensive line, so... Wanted to get your thoughts on that. Oh, as well. dude, man, I'm I'm honestly really excited. And you made it. You made a good point. Not his best year last year in Kansas City, but the way I see it is there was so many just issues going on injury wise with that offensive line throughout the entire year. And now you look at it, he's coming into an offensive line that has Quentin Nelson, Ryan Kelly, and Braden Smith. Mark Lewinsky obviously can't forget him as well. Uh, but I mean, those are four awesome linemen. The Colts offensive line has been, you know, top tier the last couple of seasons. And I think Eric Fisher is going to, ha- you know, whenever he comes back, because it sounds like the Colts aren't looking to rush him back or anything like that. It's a one-year deal, uh, kind of like a prove it from your injury type deal. I saw some people saying that, you know, kind of high with the 9.4 million cap number. I'm going to assume because from the research I did, the details aren't out yet, but I'm going to assume that it's going to be very incentive based. Like if he's not playing half the year he's probably not getting the entire 9.4 mil and it didn't look like anything like super large is guaranteed yet i'll obviously look into that more as more information comes out but um his return dates tbd uh you know so if he's not coming back till october and you know the colts really want to just let him recover completely and there's no rush they have sam tevy they have julian davenport i mean you have a good, like you're in a good position where you can really wait on him and you don't need to rush him back. And the Colts offensive line so good on top of that, like that also helps that you don't really need to rush him back. So he comes back 100% healthy, paired up right next to Quentin Nelson, man. I think the Colts offensive line, once we get to like week eight, like, you know, weeks eight through 10, that midseason where he's like kind of expected to be back by, you know, Look out, man. I'm really, really excited. I'm trying not to let my hopes go through the ceiling as a Colts fan, but uh, I mean, you can see me. I'm smiling from ear to ear. I'm really excited about this pick. This was something that I didn't expect until post-draft when everyone was like, well, why the hell did the Colts go offensive tackle? And I was kind of asking the same question, and then this got brought up literally the day after the draft was over, and I was like, oh, well, duh. Like th- that That's actually such a Chris Ballard-type move. Um, I'm really excited for it, though. Uh Outside of league signings, though, um, and and I, we're going to briefly touch on this because I really do not want to keep talking about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. Uh, Ian Rappaport came out today. Uh, reportedly, the Packers have offered a somewhat significant long-term extension to Aaron Rodgers to try to keep him in Green Bay for the foreseeable future, as they've been saying. Um, the two sides have been working on negotiations, but you know they're in a very, like, everyone's kind of disgruntled at this point that, you know, the last week has been kind of like a firestorm of just like he said, she said the whole, like it's been just like unbelievable to say the least. I mean, like these are all supposed to be grown adults and it feels like I'm watching like high school drama on the outside looking in. But, um, you know, outside of that, uh, Broncos apparently have a strong feeling, and this is from like insiders that they, you know, they have a real shot at landing Rodgers. They have about 25 million in cap space. I pegged them as like the number one destination for him to go. You know, they, they're expected to have somewhat higher draft picks and things like that. The draft picks are worth more than other teams. They have the cap space, and you know, the Broncos feel like they're one really good quarterback away. So if they do end up going after somebody, I mean, Aaron Rodgers feels like a perfect fit for that team. Um, but obviously Green Bay keeps remaining adamant. They're not going to let him go. I'm actually curious 
what you think about this, Eli, with the whole Aaron Rodgers situation. I've talked about this now for the last week and a half. I'm over it. But where do you think, like, do you think he's going to be in Green Bay just to keep it short and sweet? But do you think he's going to be in Green Bay next year with everything that's come out and everything that's said? I think he's going to be in Green Bay next year. Um, I think he'll be there. I think he will be the starting quarterback, I think. He will report at the end of the day. Uh, he's probably going to get an extension at some time soon. Um, the position Green Bay in, Green Bay is in, if they lose their starting quarterback and Jordan Love isn't isn't it, isn't the next starting quarterback, then their franchise is going to tank quickly because then you'll see stars like Devontae Adams start wanting out too and things will just go downhill. And they're not in a great cap, cap situation right now, so their hands are kind of tied. They're kind of going to have to give Aaron Rodgers what he wants at this time. Uh, so I do think he'll be there. Um, but the thing is, I've never seen a team with a quarterback who – a disgruntled quarterback win a Super Bowl or win anything of any substance before. So mm-hmm. going to be interesting to see how that works out next year. That's how I feel about that too. I almost feel like there's so much drama with the whole situation. It's like, you know, once June 1st hits, um, I think it's like a $14 million or so dead cap money they're on if they trade him. So – I mean, if the relationship is this bad, you, you trade it up for a QB that is supposed to be the future of your team. Like, just go all in on him. T- take the monster haul from Denver or whatever team is interested in him. Move on from Rodgers. Because like you said, I just don't see a, a team winning a Super Bowl with a pissed-off quarterback. And granted, like, the frustration was already kind of there in Green Bay, and they almost made it to the Super Bowl. But I just I, I don't think with that those kind of issues, especially with how much they've been exasperated this offseason, I just don't see that whole situation working out. But I guess we'll just uh, that remains to be seen. We'll have to follow along with that saga. I really just hope that that gets figured out soon. Either June first, I mean, we're either looking at June first is going to be when this gets resolved, or June second, something like that, or in the next few you know days or maybe a week or two. Green Bay comes out and says, you know, we have an extension put together for Aaron Rodgers. He's signing it, blah, blah, blah. And this whole thing is over, hopefully over and done with. Um, Something I want to highlight, DK Metcalf this past weekend, and I've seen some people kind of hate on him for this. Uh, It's so funny because DK Metcalf is 6'4", 230 pounds. All right. This guy's a monster of a man, ran a 4'3", 40. Like it's the weirdest, freakish freakish athlete I've ever seen. Uh, Offered an opportunity by the USA track and field golden uh, track and field team to go to the golden games and distance open this past Sunday. Uh, he ended up running a 10, three, seven. He came in last in the uh, running for it in his group. He, but he was 15 out of 17 of all the runners. Um, I think this is awesome. I, you know, I, I saw a lot of people giving him heat and those are like, I don't know the, like maybe the track and field people, there was some people like on Twitter, like track and field, like loyalists and like actual runners that were kind of making, you know, remarks and comments about him taking like a runner's spot. People need to understand that the USA track and field team gave him this opportunity. And on top of that, everyone that was there to run was supposed to be there. He didn't take a spot from anybody, but um, I mean, did, did you see the actual clip of him running? He was like, I mean, every single, uh, yeah, like a foot taller than everybody, dude. He looked like a monster. Yeah, no, it was really interesting to watch. Um, I think these type of things are good. Uh, athletes are humans, too. Uh, they like to have fun. They like to try new things. Uh, mm. This is a very safe thing. Plus, if you ever, if you never conditioned for track and field before, uh, it's some pretty intense stuff, uh, yeah. especially in the sprinters. I, I did that in high school, so it's some pretty intense conditioning that you have to do to prepare for that, which will definitely help them coming into the season. So it's not like he was doing something that's going to detract and take away from him preparing for the season. 
Uh, he was getting a good workout. Uh, interviewed him afterwards. He said he had a ton of fun with it. Um, so I think this is really good. I thought it was really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, happy for him. I knew he wouldn't finish first. Uh, obviously, like he's massive human being. Like I know in Saint, Usain Bolt was big, but he wasn't that thick, let's say. Yeah. Um, so like I knew we knew he wasn't going to qualify for anything significant, but it was just fun. Uh, it was fun to see him out there against all these professional athletes. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it, I mean, like, I just think it's cool seeing, like, crossover stuff like this in sports. I don't know. I don't understand why anyone would really be upset about it. And it's funny seeing people be like, oh, well, he came in last. Like, say that. Don't just say he came in ninth. Say he came in last. Well, like, d- he's not training for this. Like, he was just like, you know what? I'm just going to try it. Like, if anyone really expected him to qualify for the Olympics, like, and put money on it, like, that's on you. Like, I mean... It was a toss-up. Who knows? He could have had a really good run, and he could have qualified. But, like, it's just fun to see stuff like this. Um, But one of the big things that actually came out from this past weekend, some important news, uh, the NFLPA is kind of hammering home the idea that the offseason needs to change in the NFL. Um, I I, you know, and I think you'd agree with this too, Eli. The NFL has probably the most aggressive offseason out of any sport, um, professional sport, period. Uh, There's a lot of contact and stuff that goes on that you do not see in other sports. And just, I mean, football overall is already a very, you know, taxing sport as a whole going through the season, never mind with the extra 17th game that teams are going to be playing this year as well. And this is kind of something that I've been following on the show for the last like, you know, month or two now. And I even asked you a while back, I was like, dude, are we getting into like a player holdout here? Like this is getting kind of crazy. Well, during an NFL PA call this past weekend, Brady jumped on the line and uh, this is the quote. There's no effing pro baseball player that's throwing 95 miles an hour in mid-December. Uh, he gave an impassioned speech to all the players about it, telling them they, you know, they should consider sitting out and staying, you know, sticking together as a unit. Uh, he called for he called out the NFL for being the only pro league with overly competitive drills in the off seasons, citing injury numbers being down this past year. And I was luckily able to pull out my notes from uh, uh, an April 19th show where I actually did this all in detail to kind of put it into perspective. We're looking at uh, a 23% decrease in the injury average from the season prior from the last five years prior. Concussions were down 30%. Uh, Games were more overly competitive uh, within an 11 point victory margin, which is the highest since 06. 69.9% of games are decided within eight points, which is the second lowest in NFL history. Um, On top of that, most uh, points scored through the entire league, 12,692. So competitive nature was up. Injuries were down. Players were healthier. You were, you were seeing the, you know, the top tier talent week in and week out being able to play. You know, I think Brady makes a really big point in the whole situation. Uh, I'm curious to see what you think, Eli, on this. I really think that, you know, the NFL needs to kind of sort something out. And this is like something that they even said, they're like, this is not about COVID. This is about, you know, actually trying to morph the off season into what it should be, which is preparation, not something that's going to put players in a position where they're missing the entire season because they tear their ACL doing some, you know, excessive drills that they've been running in the off seasons. Yeah. It's definitely been interesting to see. Um, we've seen an example. I, his name just slipped my mind, but there was a player who got injured and Juwan um, James. What? Juwan James. Yeah. Juwan right. James, Juwan James got injured. Now he might lose his entire contract or a lot of it. Um, so like we see examples like that. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. Um, I don't think, We've heard the end of this. Uh, apparently, the NFLPA is going to be making a very aggressive approach, taking a very strong stance on um, what they want from the players going forward. So it's going to be interesting to see how that clash turns out and what they end up doing with it at the end. Um, but 
I thought Tom Brady's uh, quotes were really interesting, uh, especially about the pitchers. Uh, as a baseball fan, I know there are a lot of pitchers throwing 95 in December. Uh, they're on throwing programs also all winter uh, that help prepare them for the year, but not the point. Um, he does have a point uh, in that football is a little different. Football is a lot more physically taxing on your entire body. Uh, like, obviously, like pitching, you pitch once a week, like you can be fine, but like football, you're practicing full pads full contact four or five days a week. That's not really good for your body. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's interesting to see. Um, obviously, football is a little different in the sense that they have all the rookies and take a sport like the NBA that has the NBA Summer League where all the rookies get a chance to play with each other, the chance to be around NBA coaching and NBA environment for the first time. Obviously, in the NFL, you can't really do that. Uh, there just wouldn't be enough rookies to like field that and just make it competitive yeah. and work well. So it really wouldn't work, but do like seven uh, they on seven or something they fun have the like rookie that. mini camp that they get the rookies involved in uh right from the beginning and they have to kind of bring them onto the team as they go so it's really interesting to look at um and so it's just i'm curious to see what the league does it uh the league doesn't seem to want to budge for what they laid out as the plan uh so it's going to be interesting to watch them butt heads the next couple of weeks it's interesting because like it almost feels like the league hasn't really addressed it like this has been going on and the nflpa has been making statements and now this whole thing this past weekend and the NFL has not come out and said really anything about it. And it almost just feels like they're kind of ignoring them. Uh, I'm really curious to see how this ends up going down because, you know, uh, uh, the last statement here that I forgot to talk about before um, I let you go there, it was, uh, you know, Brady did tell players to, you know, have very intense negotiations with their teams about modifying the offseason work. It sounds like some of that has been happening, but like the NFL as a whole has done nothing. It's been like players just working with teams individually and it, that's kind of bizarre to me. Maybe that's something that's going on behind closed doors and, you know, they're trying to keep that out of the press, whatever it may be. But uh, very interesting stuff. To, and I'm kind of curious to see how that all ends up working out because I, 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 for one, like I stand with the players on a lot of things. I, for me, like healthier players means better football. And that's I'm all for better football. I think last season, obviously, without the fans kind of sucked. But the numbers speak for themselves. The game as a whole was very entertaining. And again, injuries were weighed down. You had a lot of the really good players there throughout the entirety of the season. Granted, you lost some big people at the beginning of the year and throughout the year, obviously, but it was nice to see healthier and more full rosters. And with this extra game coming on the schedule, definitely important that they get that whole thing sorted out. Uh, But that's pretty much all the news. Again, slow time through the NFL right now. Um, I'm keeping tabs on like the fan-controlled football league. I don't know if you watched any of that when that was going on, Eli. That was actually some pretty entertaining stuff. Uh, I know that they're planning on having another season at some point this year. So I'm keeping tabs on all the other leagues and important stuff going on or whatever important stuff they have going on as well. But nothing really newsworthy has come out yet. Uh, So... What we'll shift into now, and I think that this will be a really good conversation because I had a hard time coming up with a final grade for these guys. The Dallas Cowboys. Talk about a very different draft from what you see in Dallas. You know, Jerry Jones is known for taking the sexy pick in the first round, and, you know, everything he does feels like news headlines. Um, So we'll start things off with the needs. Linebacker, D-line, cornerback offensive line I think a lot of people would agree that defense was the big thing that they needed to work on going into this year uh you can argue as much as you want how good the team was before Dak Prescott got hurt they were still two and three and it wasn't because of their offense it was because of how poor that defense was doing Prescott was putting up numbers but that defense was also allowing them uh so we'll start things off starting with the round pick, uh, round number one, pick number 12, the highlight pick of them all, Micah Parsons, the linebacker. Eli, I know you were really high on him. 
super explosive. He moves a lot faster than his size would typically allow a normal human to move. He plays like he plays like smaller than he actually is, which is really bizarre for how big of a guy he is. Uh, you know, edge rusher mentality. He's not afraid to get after the quarterback, things like that. The biggest knocks really were just kind of like, He's a little bit average in terms of coverage for somebody that is as athletic as he is. He opted out of last year. And this was something I did not know until I was really looking into all their picks in the draft. Apparently, there was a little bit of concern because he was pegged as one of the ringleaders in Penn State's like hazing scandal they had going on. Uh, so that was kind of like a news thing to me. I didn't actually know that was going on. I don't really follow like the college that that much. So that was kind of news to me. Um, what do you think about this? Yeah, um, I thought it was a really good pick. A little weird. They have a lot of depth at linebacker, obviously, with guys like Jalen Smith, Dylan Toe, but their ability to not stay on the field um, really made this, this solidified this pick for Jerry Jones. Also, uh, it was no secret that Jerry Jones wanted either Pat Sertain or J.C. Horn. Uh, those were his two top guys on his board. Um, that was no secret. So that's why we saw the intradivision trade, uh, which is really – antithetical to what jerry jones likes to do but i think it was a very smart move mm-hmm. uh, i only moved down two picks uh, at 10 you were probably going to pick micah parsons anyways so you moved down two picks and added a third rounder mm-hmm. uh, which i thought was a really good pick but micah parsons 439 speed flies around the field um set the freshman record at penn state with 83 tackles it's a freshman record there um so he's a high impact guy uh if he hits we could be talking about the next elite linebacker in the league uh, his athletic abilities off the charts. Uh, great tackler, sideline to sideline capabilities. Like you said, not as great in coverage, but uh, had six and a half sacks, 19 tackles for loss, six for, uh, forced fumbles, and five pass deflections. So all around the field type of guy, a guy that you can plug and play at linebacker. Um, could be their starter for the next decade if they play their cards right. Oh, yeah. No real injury history to report of. Um, nothing really that concerns you. Uh, obviously, Russ might concern you a little bit because he opted out last year, didn't play last year. Uh, probably ended up helping his draft stock as see how poorly Penn State played last year. Um, I might have slid him down the board a bit, but Micah Parsons is a guy that could be high impact, could easily win uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year. Probably at this point the front runner for that uh, front runner for that award. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how the Cowboys work him into their system. Definitely. It feels like there might be kind of like a change of the guard at the linebacker position there. You cited the injury issues that they have there. Um, you know, I felt that linebacker was kind of a pressing need for them going into the off season when they didn't really address it too much going through like free agency. I figured linebacker would be something that came up. I like you were saying, I was expecting them to go corner cornerbacks obviously jumped off the board a little bit high, which kind of put them in a weird position going into round number two because they picked up cornerback Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky. I thought this was kind of a reach. Um, he was not the highest corner on the board. Uh, talented guy. You know, he's a great tackler, which you can, like, if you can get a corner that's very good at tackling, fantastic. You always want good corners that can tackle. Uh, he has very good burst. Uh, his interceptions, he's very quick to, you know, come off that back pedal, make the interception, and then just go the other way. I think he had, like, 217 yards of, like, return yards off of interceptions off the four he had this past season, which is a pretty high number. That's two whole football fields. Um, on top of that, I, I guess like the biggest knocks were his like his inconsistency because he has up games, he has down games, but the up games are what really like helped elevate him. And I think gave the Cowboys a reason to go so high for him on this was because he had strong games against Alabama, Tennessee, you know, some of the bigger name schools that y- you want to see NFL caliber talent step up and play well in. So I, I guess that's partially why they were so willing to go so high for Kelvin Joseph. What do you think on this one? Yeah, I like Kelvin Joseph. Um, 
one of the biggest question marks, uh, which is probably why he had a second to third run grade on him, uh, was his commitment to football. Uh, there's some focus concerns with him. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite facts, uh, Kelvin Joseph is actually a part-time rapper. Uh, he goes by the name <laughs> You Know Divide Boss Man Fat. Uh, he's actually not bad. I gave him a listen. <laughs> I, didn't, I did not know that. I did not know that. Yeah, um, he's got all the measurable tools you want in a in a cornerback. Has four three four forty yard time. Flies around the field. Plays just as fast as his forty time would tell you. Um, has some concerns too about his focus. Uh, when he was at LSU before he transferred to Kentucky, he got suspended for the bowl game. I uh, didn't really cite reasons as to why. He just said violation of team rules. Um, so you're going to be interested to see how that works out, but he'll get a chance to play right away in that Cowboys secondary, which besides Tra- Trevon Diggs is very weak and not very talented, but mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting to see. He's got great ball skills, um, five pass deflections and four interceptions this past season in just nine games. So he's got the ball skills you'd want in a cornerback you're taking in the second round. So if they can get, if they can reach his potential in, in, um, in Dallas, then they may have gotten a first round talent, but, be interesting to watch it, mm. watch him perform. So going through the third round, they had three picks in the third round. Obviously, they added that one when they made the trade back with the Eagles. Uh, so I highlighted the Nashawn Wright pick, cornerback out of Oregon State. Uh, this is a guy that he has like freakish size for a cornerback. He's like 188 pounds, six four, super tall, very quick for somebody his size. He has a really good nose for the football. Um, the biggest knock to him was the. His, his inability to play as strong as he should be for somebody his size, he's not really great in press coverage. And on top of that, he's a little bit slow to react on double moves. You know, like he's good staying off of like a quick move, but when it comes to like multiple move routes, if they're, if a wide receiver is really trying to shake him, it seems like he's a little bit slow to react on multiple, according to all the uh, scouting reports that I was able to read on him. That could obviously be something that ends up being an issue in the NFL because, you know, a lot of wide receivers, especially those top tier guys, they become very shifty. They're very quick and, you know, when you think of some of the receivers that aren't as athletic, they rely on those double, triple moves to really lose a cornerback to try to get themselves open. It'll be interesting to see how he handles that. Uh, I I just feel like it was such a reach when I was going through PFF's grading chart. He's like the 272nd ranked pick. Like like, and there's only 258 picks in the entire draft, and so he's like he, that's like somebody who's graded. Obviously, PFF's not the be all end all, but they do a pretty good job grading guys. Um, man, like I just thought. Again, another reach at a position you need. I guess, like, they're going off athleticism. Again, the size and the speed is there. He's very fast, very tall. Hopefully, you know, he can keep, you know, hold his own against some of the bigger receivers in the league. Um, that's very interested on that pick. It's a team need, but it's it just makes me question if it was the right pick in the third round there. Uh, do you have any thoughts on maybe D-tackle? This is this one's a mouthful here. Osa O. I want to say Odigizua. I was going to say Osa Odigizua. Yeah. Odigizua, D tackle to UCLA, and then Chauncey Golson, D end out of Iowa. Any any uh, information on those two guys and thoughts on them, if you do? Yeah. Uh, super quick about Nashawn Wright. Uh, defensive coordinator new this year, Dan Quinn. Uh, you remember him? He was the defensive coordinator for the Legion of Boom in Seattle, so he has an affinity for these big corners. Yeah, he had Brandon. Obviously, Browner. we saw Richard Sherman at six foot three and Brandon Browner locking down people. Uh, Brandon Browner is probably a pretty pretty good um comparison for nishan Wright. both play both big corners um like to use their sides to their advantage but uh interesting to see there nishan Wright, i did have as a day three pick so having getting him around three was a little interesting but i don't hate the pick in general uh but as for the two defensive linemen 
Uh, Chauncey Golston out of Iowa, super productive kid. Um, not really like a, an elite athlete, uh, only runs a 4.840, which is not what you're looking for when you're uh, for an edge rusher. So it'll be interesting to see. Very productive in college, 27 tackles for loss in 43 games, 12 sacks. Uh, has good length, high-end motor. Um, could be a good, solid rotational piece. And as for Osa Odigizua, um, a little bit undersized for an interior pass rusher, only 6'1", 282. Uh, but he was extremely disrupt- disruptive in the Pac-12 last year at UCLA. 27.5 tackles for loss, 11.5 sacks, 43 games. Uh, interior group is not a strength of this team. Uh, I was hoping they'd go after a guy like Christian Barmore earlier in the draft, but didn't end up working out that way. Uh, the group includes Tristan Hill, their second rounder from last year. Um, and then Neville Gallimore, um, third rounder from 2020. Uh, just, from a, just a quick round. thought. They picked 15th in the second round, correct? Because Or p- pick for, or 44, 32, so what? That's 12. So they're 12, 12 is what it is. Barrymore got picked yeah. up at 15, and they didn't go after him. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I just I didn't put two and two together until you just said that out loud. Keep going, though. Sorry, I didn't mean to stop you on that. Yeah, no, you're good. Um, yeah, Odigizua. Um Probably will end up playing right away, given the lack of depth they have at that position. Yeah, D-line was a big issue. Yeah. Uh, Another guy that had day three grades on him, so they did might have reached for him as well, too. Um, But again, you see Jerry Jones. So the defense was the worst defense they probably had in about 40 years. So Mm. uh, he knew he needed to go after the defense in this draft. So they like guys. Uh, They let Dan Quinn, uh, his fingerprints all over this draft. Uh, So they let Dan Quinn pick a defense that he feels good about. So interesting to see going forward mm-hmm. now the fourth round i like the fourth round i think the fourth round was a pretty good round for them you're able to get jabril, jabril cox excuse me linebacker out of lsu with uh, their pick number 115 there in the fourth round this is the fifth ranked linebacker in the entire draft uh so getting one of the top five backers at round number four i think you know day three pick that's a really solid pick this is something that i think will really help them because last year I wish I had the number up, and I should have done that. <laughs> I should have grabbed that number before we started doing this. Um, I think that I think Dallas let up 400 and some, or maybe it was 500 and some odd points throughout the entire year. They were letting up an absurd amount of pass yardage numbers. So adding somebody like Jabril, Jabril Cox, who maybe not as strong in the run game as you would like him to be, but Micah Parsons can like. It almost feels like these two picks were like them trying to move away from the current linebackers they have. And they're hoping like Micah Parsons is the big run block, like big run stuff or kind of guy paired with Cox. Who's going to be more of the pass coverage guy where like you can expect Parsons to stuff the run and maybe blitz more while, you know, you have Cox kind of dropping back with the DBs and things like that, playing more athletic. You know, some people said like if this was, you know, 15 some odd years ago, he'd probably be more of like a free safety than he would be a linebacker. But obviously the way the game's evolving, linebackers are getting smaller and faster. Um, I like the pick. I think this is <clears throat> one of the best picks they had in the draft because, again, such a late pick, top five linebacker in the draft, and this is somebody who can really help mitigate some of the passing yards that they were letting up all throughout the entirety of last season. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jabril Cox, elite coverage linebacker, maybe the best coverage linebacker in this draft. Mm-hmm. Um, good against the run. Uh, needs to shore up some of his technique on that as well. Um, not really much of a pass rusher. That's not really the situation you're going to use him in, um, but – 26 pass deflections in college and nine interceptions. So we've got really good ball skills as well. Uh, covering tight ends is was the focal point of the Cowboys. Uh, porous defense last year, not being able to shore up that middle of the field. Tight ends were just kind of running all over them. 
So a guy like Jabril Cox, uh, even though he's a day three selection, I think he'll step in and start right away. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, named a captain at LSU after transferring from Notre Dame, to, uh, North Dakota State, sorry. Um, so real, real high, uh, really high on this kid. I was kind of shocked he fell this far. Me too. Uh, he's kind of small. He's not huge for a linebacker, especially a covered linebacker uh, with the way tight ends are getting just bigger and faster. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he uh, does in the NFL, uh, especially in a division where you got tight ends like Zach Ertz running around uh, and Logan Thomas, former quarterback turned tight end. He's massive. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how that works out. But I thought this was a really solid selection. Maybe their best value pick of the entire draft. Well, that, yeah, that's what I was just going to say. Probably the best value pick that day three spot. I can't believe he fell that far either. Um, so as for the remaining five picks here, um, two that I wanted to pick out specifically that I really like that I would say um, the rival rivals or is right behind him in terms of value picks. Quinton Bohana, the D tackle out of Kentucky. This guy is, he's 6'4", 357. Um, when I started reading about him, I was like, okay, this sounds like a guy who's going to manhandle people. I need to see some highlights. So I was watching some clips of him. Dude, he like takes people and removes them. And it's unbelievable the power that he has on display. I mean, he can literally just ragdoll a player if he needs to. Um, really big first step, like right out of the gates. Like he's very quick off the jump. Um, the biggest knocks, I guess, is that people are concerned about is he plays really upright, which is something I noticed for somebody that's such a large human being. He is very upright. You'd expect him to try to get a little bit lower, but that is probably one of the biggest issues. On top of that, his size being 357, um, the knock is that he has a little bit too much bad weight on him and probably would play better play, like closer to like 330, 325, something like that. So that might be something that obviously being on an NFL team, you have some of the best nutritionists and you know trainers in the world, but maybe they can whip him into a little bit better shape as they go through the uh, preseason and you know training camp situations and whatnot. The other pick that I really, really liked that I'm a really big fan of because, you know, the Cowboys had such a strong offensive line not too long ago, and it seems like piece by piece it's kind of slowly coming undone. This is, I think, a really good depth piece for them and somebody who could, you know, potentially, if molded right, could end up being a really good guy for them is Matt um, Farniak, guard out of Nebraska. He's played all three positions on the O-line, which you cannot understate how important that is. Somebody that can plug and play at every single position is huge. The Colts, um, me being a Colts fan, I've always focused in on their offensive line because that has been a horrible issue for us the last handful of years. Uh, we have had a guy or two here and there who have always been able to plug and play pretty much every single position, and that's something you always need to have where no matter whose goes down, you can turn to him and be like, hey, we need you to go here and plug in and go. Um, so I think that's really good. He's a very strong leader. He's a two-time captain over there in Nebraska. He's a guy that, you know, just keeps the wheels turning. Even when he makes contact, he's not just going to get kind of halted in his place. So keeps the, keeps the wheels turning. Uh, and, you know, obviously not the best pa the pass protector, you know, uh, you know, that and run blocker, but somebody that, you know, in round seven where you get that kind of experience and, you know, utility out of a guy, I think you cannot understate that enough. So I really, really like that pick. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Farniak was a guy I really like. Obviously, getting him in the seventh round, you take zero risk on him. But he's a two-time team captain at Nebraska. Uh, so with Dallas not re-signing Joe Looney yet, uh, and Tyler Biadaz probably sliding into that starting center position, uh, you needed some depth on the interior of your offensive line. Uh, that's definitely where he – obviously, he played some tackle in college, but I think he's probably going to slide into the, into the middle of that offensive line, mm. probably at one of the guard slots. Um, so I thought that was a really good pick. And then they made one of the weirder picks of the draft. Uh, Israel McQuama from uh, cornerback from South Carolina. Uh, obviously that's JC Horn's uh, cornerback partner mate. 
Um, exact same player as Nashawn Wright, another really big guy. Uh, he's about six foot four, two fourteen. Uh, so he's a little thicker, but big guy plays big. Exact same player as Nashawn Wright. So I thought that was a really interesting double dipping to get the same type of player. Uh, again, that one had Dan Quinn's fingerprints uh, written all over it. Uh, there were a bunch of different players still left on the board that I had circled as good fits for Dallas. So I thought that was a really interesting pick for them. Um, and then the other two offensive players uh, that they picked, uh, Simi Fajoko, wide receiver out of Stanford, another really big guy, uh, 6'4", 222. Uh, has good speed for his size. He ran a 4'4", 3", uh, 40 time. Um, so not really a position of need. Obviously, the Cowboys have arguably one of the best uh, wide receiving wide receiver groups mm-hmm. in the league uh, with Gallup, Amari Cooper, and C.D. Lamb. Uh, obviously, they used a first-round pick last year, but really interesting pick. Uh, could be really good. Very similar to a guy, another guy out of Stanford uh, a couple of years ago, J.J. Arcega Whiteside, who went in the second round to Philly, never really panned out in the league so far. Um, but that could be a guy who sticks with them, uh, whether it's with the practice squad um, or earning a roster spot out of camp. They could be a really good depth piece, so thought that was interesting and then josh ball offensive tackle at a marshall josh ball was somebody who was seen as somebody who could potentially go higher in this draft um but had some problems with some dating violence issues uh back at florida state uh, florida state kicked him out of school he ended up transferring to marshall didn't have any problems with marshall but um the history is there the history is there so it'd be interesting to see uh, Cowboys have a also have a history of bringing guys like that. A guy like Lael Collins uh, comes to mind, who they picked a couple of years ago. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, while we're talking about Lael Collins, obviously Collins and Tyron Smith both had a share of injury issues. So Josh Ball could be seen as a long-term piece, maybe take over a right tackle. He's seen yeah. as a good enough athlete uh, to play out on that edge. So really interesting draft by Dallas. Um, they got a couple day one starters, I think. Parsons. Kelvin Joseph, Jabril Cox, and at least one of the two defensive linemen will probably start day one. Uh, so they got multiple day one starters on the defensive line, which I thought was good. Uh, but I didn't really see like the home run pick that I thought, wow, this was a great fit and this was a great play, a great way to go. I feel very meh on this Cowboys draft class. So I'm curious what your grade is because after ta- so you I sent you the grade that I gave them on the on the list there. So you you know what I have written down, but after talking out loud some more, I feel a little bit different about it and I'm curious to see what you thought of their grade and then I'll give mine. Yeah. Um Cowboys like I said, kind of an interesting draft. Uh, obviously, it was no secret they got jumped a couple times for players they want, losing out on the J.C. Horn and Pat Sertain. Uh, then they wanted Trevon Morgan in the second round. Obviously, Vegas jumped them to go up and get him. Um, so, lost out on a couple of players that I thought would have been more immediate day one impact players that would have definitely raised my grade for the Cowboys. I don't think what they did was necessarily bad. Uh, they needed defensive depth. Defensively, they were horrendous last mm-hmm. year. They were an embarrassment defensively and with Dak Prescott coming back this year uh they could be much more competitive in a very very winnable uh NFC East uh the NFC East is as wide open as could be uh so I definitely see them as a team that's going to be right in the thick of things towards the end of the year uh they definitely need to get deeper on the defense and they did which was good took a lot of chances on guys that I don't think you needed to doubled up at positions I don't think you needed to yeah um so I give them a C plus. Uh, I think they did well. 
I don't think they did great. Um, very anti Jerry Jones draft. This this looked like more of a Patriots draft than a than a Dallas Cowboys draft. But uh, I'm glad Jerry Jones addressed the defense. Um, this could end up being a really good class for them, but for now, I'm going to give them a C plus. All right, fair enough. So. I hate that I'm going to change my grade after talking because I, I had them written as a B plus a minus. And I think I weighed just the fact that they went defense so hard because I was a fan of that. I was like, the defense needed to be addressed. But like the more I looked into some of these players, the more I felt like they reached. Um, and so I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to give them a B. I'm going to be a little bit more generous. I'm going to, I'm going to hit them with a B and I, I I'm going to weigh the fact that they hit ne- team needs so aggressively that that shows, you know, commitment to the issues that you had and recognizing your team's faults uh, and where they lied. Uh, I'm going to go with a B. I think that's a solid grade. Like you said, they doubled up on some positions. Um, Three cornerbacks in the draft. I I have a feeling someone's going to end up being flipped to safety because on the team needs list, I didn't put safety, but safety was something that a few other places that I was looking at had like recommended as a place for them to kind of look. And so... I have a feeling that maybe one of these corners ends up being swapped over to a larger safety. <clears throat> I don't know who that might end up being. Maybe it's yeah, a... that would definitely be Israel McQuama. He actually so? has some experience. He started his career at safety at South Carolina, but they flipped into cornerback okay. uh, because they had a bigger need there. At six four two fifteen, I don't know if he's going to have the speed and lateral quickness to keep up with NFL receivers. So I think safety might be yeah. a better better option. And, for ma- and maybe maybe that's where they're going. So I'm gonna hit the, I'm gonna hit them with the B. I'm comfortable with that. I, I initially wrote them as a B plus A minus, but I think I jumped a little bit high on that. I was kind of, I was very happy with the whole defense defense defense. I thought they really needed that. But after talking about some of these guys with you, I definitely think <laughs> B sounds about right for me. Uh, but that's it for the Cowboys uh, draft grade. So Cowboys fans, if you're upset about that, let us know down in the comment section below. I would love to see what you guys think your team, uh, how your team did going through this draft. Uh, but that pretty much wraps up the show. Um, again, slow news day, not a ton to talk about. Um, I was very happy to be able to get you to come on for the entirety of the show. Eli, love having you on to chat about stuff and have you spew just the, all the college football knowledge. I know you have that I don't have. Um, but uh, that's going to be it for the show, everyone. As always, remember liking, commenting, sharing, subscribing, all that good stuff. We just surpassed 75 subscriber mark. We're currently at 78, trucking our way over to 100. So be sure to subscribe if you are enjoying the content. You can find us on all the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and whatnot for various posts and things that I talk about or, th- or whatever it is that I feel like sharing up on there. Um, but outside of that, uh, that's it. I appreciate you all for watching. Thanks for joining, everyone. We'll catch you all later with another uh, episode of the Greek Squid Iron Thursday, 5 p.m. Eastern time. We'll see you soon.